This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, 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 business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Thanks for joining me. Let's get going here and talk about thought leadership. So this is always an interesting topic. And first of all, I just want to mention a big thank you to buzzzumo.com. They just came out with the top 100 content marketers out there. I made the list at number 66. I don't know if that's up or down or if they had a list before, but either way, I made the top 100. So I guess that's thought leadership. Now, here's how they found how, who they put on the list. They looked at who talked about the topic that they wanted to create a list around, and they ran it through their system, you know, machine magic. And then they told us who are the most influential people. Now, some business people out there, they don't like the term thought leadership because it's too esoteric or whatever. But it does work. It does help us get our brand out there. So how do we do that, especially when it comes to social media, our websites, everywhere, digitally? I asked Victoria Lee to come on the show. She's the owner of 100 Pound Social, and she'll give us the scoop. How do you build your thought leadership program? Why would you want to? And how long? Everybody wants to know. How long will it take? To work. Everybody wants to know what's the number. We'll see what Victoria has to say about the topic. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate you making the time. So first of all, let's get started with a simple definition here. What is, so I got my definition of thought leadership. I know other people probably have their definition, but in, 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 in your terms, what's a thought leadership program? What's thought leadership and, and why do people, why should we care? So a thought, thought leadership or a thought leader is somebody who is leading within their industry. Um, they're kind of setting the trends uh, on on the direction of critical thinking on the news and topics that are coming up. We should care because as business owners, thought leaders are often people who are trusted most. So if you are trying to sell a service around content marketing, you need to be known as an authority on that topic to trust you and be willing to invest in you and your brand. So that's why it's absolutely critical for entrepreneurs and business owners. I mean, I'm not, no disagreement from, from me, and I'm not even selling content marketing services. I'm mm -hmm. just, I do content marketing for a software company and I run this, you know, podcast and live stream mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that has grown interestingly, but, but for the most part, I'm not selling any services, right? So, but nonetheless, it's helping me learn different things. It help it helps me build my own brand because every once in a while you need that. Um, so certainly, I, I've uh, seen the advantages. Now, how do you determine what you want to be a thought leader in? And, and the reason I'm asking that is, especially for a company, there's some thought leaders, and I know the older we get, right, the more we got to think about new things. But they were the thought leaders in whatever 10 years ago. And now they're the thought leaders in whatever else. 
And it's just like they're the thought leader, whatever is the new thing. Like at some point, can you really be a thought leader at everything all the time, whatever is currently trending, I guess. Um, so how do we pick? How do we pick the topic as a, as a company to to really throw our thought leadership dollars behind? So I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve by building yourself up as a thought leader. Um, obviously, you, you want to pick topics that's closely related to the service that you as a business is selling. Um, the topic you pick, it should be very, very closely related to your expertise. There's no point in me turning around and trying to make myself into a thought leader on I don't know, uh, financial data, because I don't have the expertise in that area. Um, you've got to be authentic. You've got to genuinely have expertise in that area. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to build yourself up. So I'd say pick something that relates to your niche and pick something that you genuinely have uh, a specialism in. Well, and that's always something that's always an interesting topic, you know, but how close does it have to be to what it is that you actually sell. So if I'm selling hats, mm -hmm. I mean, how much do I talk about hats or how much do I talk about related topics? Do you know what I mean? Or what's the future of hats? I'm totally picking the silly example here, but do you know what I mean? Like, how do I determine what to pick and how do I determine what to talk about? Because it's not always, or maybe it's hardly ever that mm -hmm. I'm talking about the product, right? I'm talking about related things. Yeah, 100%. I think you've got to look at all of the topics around the area of your business that your ideal classic clients are going to be interested in. And you want to be covering those topics in your thought leadership. So you might have your central topic, and then you can build around that to anything related. So if I um, post a lot about social media and social media marketing, but I also build around that in my content, we talk about long form content writing, I talk about um, video marketing, I talk about things that are related kind of on the peripheral to that central message of social media marketing that I specialize in. So I think as long as everything's related, you can vary off a bit, but you need to try and stick to your key message where you're trying to build up your authority. And of course, your company is 100 pound social, which tell me if I'm wrong, but that refers to that your services are as low as 100 pounds, British pounds per month. Is that correct? Yeah, that's completely correct. So our basic plan starts at £100 per month. That's about $135 US per month. Um, and that is, that's our social media marketing plan where our clients get a dedicated content creator, a dedicated editor, all of whom are based in the UK, to create and publish their social media content for them. And a lot of our clients, and 95% of our clients are B2B companies. And for a lot of our clients, the reason they work with us is because they want to become thought leaders in their industry. So our writers specialise in creating content that uses their unique personal brand voice and we get that content out across their personal LinkedIn profiles. And for B2B companies, using a personal LinkedIn profile is obviously the most powerful way to build yourself up as a thought leader. So we aid our customers every day in achieving that. I mean, 100, 100 pounds, 135 bucks uh, a month, super cheap. And this is not a sponsored show today, by the way. I'm just pointing that out because I think that is really cheap. Now, when, when you work with everybody wants to be a thought leader, I get it. Maybe not everybody, but the people that come to you the people that talk to me, they want to be thought leaders. Well, fine. I want to play in the NFL and that doesn't mean I'll get to do that either. Right. Or, or whatever um, in Germany, Bundesliga, I don't play soccer, but do you know what I mean? Like, how do we move? How do you move people along from I'll want to do this 
to I actually can because I mean at the end of the day they have to have some thoughts that are leading I suppose right just mm -hmm. to use every um, every word here in the title yeah hundred percent I mean there's there's levels to everything so there's always going to be the biggest thought leader in your industry and there's going to be people kind of underneath that who rank a bit lower down but are still trusted if you are putting across any form of authoritative thought in your social media and LinkedIn posting you are going to build yourself up to be a thought leader it's a long-term process it doesn't definitely doesn't happen overnight you'll be near to need to post consistent quality content for six to 12 months before you'll start building up that audience but at the end of the day no, you know very few people are going to be the ultimate thought leaders in their industry but if you're using becoming a thought leader to try and enhance your brand your sales um and you kind of trust in your, your business any level of thought leadership you can achieve is going to be more effective than not putting that effort in if that makes sense yeah, absolutely. And, you know, six to 12 months, I mean, it does. And it's th that means if you do it correctly, right? I mean, if you're mm -hmm. just posting crap, and you guys heard me say this before, crap stands for content really annoying to people, yeah. they're mm -hmm. not going to, you know, it's not going to work. So it does take time. It does take perseverance. And it also takes um, make it, taking advantage of the latest networks. I'll give you an example. And then I, I'd like to hear what channels you currently prefer for, especially for social media yeah. and what's social media. But I never thought I would be doing these live streams. We were doing a podcast. I was going to do a podcast. And then I decided I should live stream it because I can get a much bigger audience by live streaming the podcast, right? And it's live. So that's there's all these advantages. Then I determined what are the different channels? You know, we're going to Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, sometimes to Amazon you know, and, and it's just like I'm I'm learning and I'm evolving as I go. So do all those channels, is that all social media or what's what's your definition of social media? And then how do we decide where to play? Yeah, a really, really good question. So social media is for me is any channel where you can build an audience and where you can share your own content in terms of how you decide which channels you need to be on. LinkedIn for me is for all B2B businesses is the strongest channel to be on. The other channels that you're going to invest in depend on your resources. So it, if you're in a position as with your business where you can, where you have the resources to get across the, all those channels, do it effectively, build an audience, um, you should do it 100% because you're going to reach more people. Most companies that we work with and potentially some of your listeners run quite small businesses where they don't necessarily have the time and financial resources to invest across multiple platforms. What I would say is it is always better to crack one platform and have a really strong following and really strong authority on that platform before you try and add platforms to your list. So I'd never recommend starting out a strategy to become a thought leader by saying I'm going to build up an audience on these six platforms, for example, um, because you, you'll you find that hard to crack one platform and then add platforms on from there. I mean, that's the, the classic um, Joe Polizzi model, right? Joe says you got to start with one, mm -hmm. one platform. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know that I always agree with that. And I asked mm -hmm. him this when he came on the show. I said, I don't know if I agree, because guess what? If I'm going to six channels, it's the same amount of effort on the live stream as it is to go to one channel. My podcast, 20 channels, same effort as one channel. Mm -hmm. But that's different 
than posting on LinkedIn necessarily and posting on Twitter. And the other thing he said is, the other thing you have to remember, Christoph, is you didn't just start, right? Mm -hmm. How was it when you first started? And when I first started, I probably only had one channel too. And then I slowly started building on it, right? Now, what is the, the the danger though when you focus on one channel? I mean, I'm just I know we're talking about um, business here, but just this and this is top of mind, and we mentioned it a couple of times on OnlyFans, which I know is not well, it's business for some people, but they were going to shut it down, right? They were going to shut down all the adult stuff, so all the people who were doing the adult content on OnlyFans, right? They didn't they that's where they were making their money. Mm-hmm. They're very dependent on that one channel, and that's very similar to other businesses, right? Non-adult mm-hmm. businesses. If I built my brain on LinkedIn, what happens if LinkedIn all of a sudden changes their algorithm or shuts? The, I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, what is the danger 100%, when you? Hundred percent. Yeah, it is. It is dangerous. And you, as a long-term business who's been around for years and years, you should never kind of put all of your balls in one bag and say this is the one platform I'm investing in and I'm doing nothing else. But if you're starting out, if you've got a new business and you're, or, you're, or, or even you've got an established business, but you're only just looking at, to build a social media and um, thought leadership strategy, I would start with one platform, but make sure you've got a timeline in there where you're going to build in other platforms as you go, because you're completely right. LinkedIn only have to change their algorithm overnight and it can ruin all your efforts. Um, yeah, 100% right. It's a really valid point. And so when when you, you talked about everywhere, social media is everywhere you build your audience. Mm-hmm. So is a blog, do you count that as social media or do you only count like Twitter, LinkedIn, those kind mm-hmm. of networks? I wouldn't count a blog as social media because you can't, um, I guess you can on some blogging platforms build a following, um, but it's not, I wouldn't count as a social media platform. Blogging, I would count as a, a kind of complementary platform. Uh, thing to social media so we offer blogging as a service to our clients and the reason we do that is because if they can publish articles on their website on their own blog that complements their social media we can create much stronger thought leadership posts for them much stronger social content if we can link back to that really authoritative long-form content that is on their website um so it's a complementary thing Absolutely, no doubt. Now, when you work with clients, and so so, walk me through your process. How, I mean, do you come up with a post, and and or, or how do you know what to say? Do you interview them, or or how do you help them build their thought leadership? So we've got a onboarding process that lasts ten days. So when a new client comes on board, we get them to complete an onboarding form. It's quite a lengthy process for them. It takes them about an hour and a half, and they go through and they really break down for us everything we need to know about their company, their brand voice, the type of content they want to be putting out, the topics they want to be covering. They then get a content creator and editor allocated to work with them. And that content creator and editor go away, do their own research into the client's business, look at all the briefing that they've been given from that onboarding form. And from there, it's the content creator and editor's job to put that strategy and put that posting plan together for the client. And we build the posts for the client from there. We work with the client on a monthly basis. So we create the content. The client can have a look and review it and give us feedback. Um, And then every month on a rolling basis, we get further feedback and updates from the client as we build that that posting plan for them going forward. So we work in quite a process-driven way, and that's one of the the reasons we're able to offer at such a competitive price point. 
um, to our clients. And of course, you know, if you work with an agency to build your thought leadership, that's fine. But you have to know what's being posted under yeah. your name. So, you know, don't be pulling this whole, oh, my agency's taking care of it. It's under your name. And I'll give you an example. I was at a conference and the worst example I've ever had for this was, this is not social media, but the concept applies. Mm -hmm. I got an email from this company saying, join us at this thing tonight, whatever it was, you know, or something, join us for something. And the CEO's name that the email came from was very unique. Mm -hmm. So when the guy sitting next to me had that same name, I recognized that was him right away. And I said, I just got your email. And he said, what email? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you he didn't know that marketing, or he forgot, was sending out an email. And it was a smallish conference, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, plus what's the, you know, I mean, just luck of the draw, I guess. But it just really, in my opinion, hurt that company's and hurt his credibility. Because I got the email, he doesn't even remember, or he doesn't even know what mm -hmm. his own what's under his own name. How is that a problem or is, is that just in my head? No, that's that's definitely a problem. I think what we find is with clients who communicate with us more, we get the better results for them. So clients who review what we're doing, they read every single post, they give us feedback. So if you know if we if they ever see something they love, they tell us. So we know we can create more posts like that. If they see a post where they think actually that's not quite right for me, they feedback to us so we can adjust and learn from their feedback that those are the clients the ones who are on it unlike this guy you met at the conference the ones who are really on it who get the most out of working with us because we can learn from them they can learn from us um it, it is the clients where we struggle with who are the ones who don't take even that kind of 10 minutes a month to give us feedback on what we're doing that's where um where it can get a little bit difficult when we're trying to build up that thought leadership for them without feedback I mean, it's just crazy to me when when any age when any person or any company spends money on anything, whether it's an agency or whether it's I mean, whatever, right? Any professional service, and then they don't take the time to actually make it a success. You know, it's like if I if I hire a plumber to my house, yes, I will talk to them and tell them what the problem is with my toilet, right? Like crazy that some people why do you think that is is it just because it's i think it's it is understandable because we work with such we work with entrepreneurs who are starting new businesses and a lot of them social isn't they know they've got to do it but it's not necessarily the day-to-day -day pressing priority so i think it is understandable and we try and get around that by giving them lots of reminders giving them lots of opportunities to provide some feedback in a way that's really simple and takes the shortest time possible um i under i do i completely understand why uh, founders get into that situation now from having founded a company myself I know in the first year of the company I probably would have been a bad client and wouldn't have given that feedback um because I was too busy but it's something that comes with time as you run a business um, and you kind of settle into the flow of that so how much time is involved when you build a thought or, or and not just time but how much effort how much posting is involved mm -hmm. right so for example we currently publish the podcast Every two to three days, you know, every two to three days, there's a new episode. We had a couple of days. We just recorded a bunch. We did a, a bunch of live streams. And now I do one about once a week, typically on Wednesdays. And there's a couple sprints. But I'm not so sure I know 
what the right frequency is, right? So should I publish once a week? Should I publish every couple of days? Like, I, like you know, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. So for some business, especially if they use LinkedIn, let's stick with LinkedIn, how many times per week or per day or whatever number you use, how often should they even post and, and, and how deep should the post go? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on what you're trying to achieve. So if you're running a podcast, day, it might be different to if you're running like a SaaS company and just trying to use thought leadership to build up an audience. We tend to recommend to our clients that we need to be posting or they need to be posting three times a week. Any less than that isn't enough. Any more than that is fine, but you might oversaturate your feed if you post too much in some industries. And again, it's very client specific, depending on their audience and their industry. Um, in terms of the time commitment you mentioned earlier, creating three posts a week, if you're trying to do it yourself as a founder, it can that can take you two or three hours a week, depending on the length of the post and depending on your experience with writing and social media content. The way we do it, we try and make it as time free for our clients as possible. So our clients typically spend about 15 to 20 minutes a month giving us feedback and checking over the work that we've done for them. Um, but it totally depends on how you decide, you know, you're going to either outsource or do yourself that social content. Well, it also depends on where you are in the journey. I mean, I remember back in the day when I was doing posts for myself, like I would write them whenever, but then I would always say, hey, honey, how does this sound? Like I have my wife, you know, I listen to it. And today that would never even cross my mind to run something by her, you know, for feedback. Yeah. So just that process takes longer. And then you sometimes people put things aside, right? They th they want to think about it forever and ever and ever. So So here's the thing. I think all that time counts as well because you know when i don't know if you saw that there was a i don't remember even who had it a cartoon and there was a person sitting in front of the computer and they said what are you doing and they said i'm writing and they said but you're not even typing well they said well i'm thinking about it and you know i know it sounds silly but that is all part of the process i mean if you're not thinking about it so how do how do you um how do business owners entrepreneurs how do they know it's time to get started with social. Um, how, when is the best time to start, I guess? So I think the best time to start is straight away. I, don't, I think if you're running a business now and you don't have a social media presence, that means you're losing customers to your competitors. Um, whatever industry you're in, I said we work mainly with B2B companies. Um, B2C companies, I think mostly now have realized that social isn't really a choice. You have to be there. Some B2B companies still struggle with social a little bit and struggle with understanding what it is and why they need a presence. But directly, you need to be on social. Otherwise, you're losing customers. You're, you're losing out to your competition. So you got to start right away. What, mm -hmm. Why do you think B2B companies, why do you think they, I mean, I know we've had this debate on here a million times, I think. You know, B2C, you are marketing to people. And B2B, you're marketing to people who work for a company. They're still people, mm -hmm. right? So, and they're still on social. I mean, think about Facebook. When Facebook went down not too long ago, everybody was screaming about how they had nothing to do, you mm -hmm. know, because they couldn't go on Facebook while they were working, for example. Uh why do B2B companies, why is it not a priority to, to get started, especially? 
I think the type of social channels that um, came out, so where Facebook was bigger and that's more of a B2C platform. So perhaps because LinkedIn's come a little bit behind Facebook, that's taken B2Bs a bit longer to realize the value of it. I think a lot of B2Bs also think incorrectly about their target audience. They think that they're targeting companies. So they, they, when they create a customer persona, they create a persona of a business and a headcount of that business. They don't think that actually there is a decision maker within that business who is actually the target customer who's going to make the decision about whether they want to buy or not. Um, so I think there's there's that issue. Um, and I think that's probably the reason I think B2Bs often don't have the experience. They might not invest in a marketing manager from the beginning, whereas B2Cs might be more inclined to do that. What we often find with our customers is when they go through that onboarding process I mentioned, a lot of them don't have the customer persona planned out. They don't really know what their brand voice is. Um, so we have to, you know, we try and help them through that process with our onboarding process to guide them through creating those personas, that brand voice, really figuring out for themselves so that they can tell us exactly who their target audience is. Yeah, very, very interesting. I, you know, um, would I make a decision of social? Would I make a buying decision? Well, first of all, I make buying decisions of all kinds of different channels, you know? And uh, I mean, the other day, believe it or not, I, I bought a generator off a TV ad. Now, I didn't buy it directly of the TV commercial, but that prompted me to call the company, right, mm -hmm. to, to give me an estimate. So again, and I'm the first person to say TV is dead or it's changing or whatever, but all these things that fly by us all day, they influence us, whether we notice it, whether we realize it or not, right? Every social post comes by, every, um, you know, it, it's all in front of us. In the last 45 seconds here or so, Victoria, tell us, are we talking about organic only or do we have to have a paid component in our social strategy? Totally depends on your goal. Um, organic social for me is the strongest, it's the most authoritative. And if you can build up that audience through your thought leadership, uh, paid social will become less important because you'll have that real genuine audience around you. Um, on LinkedIn, from your personal profiles, paid social is not necessary. There are some platforms, for example, on, from Facebook company pages, I think paid ads are pretty essential because Facebook have deliberately reduced the reach of uh, posts from company pages so much you can't really reach your audience just through organic. So it's platform dependent. But if we're talking about B2Bs on LinkedIn personal profiles, I don't think paid ads are essential. Of course, the answer always is it depends. In fact, you guys may have seen my T-shirt. It depends. Most common answer to any marketing question. Mm -hmm. Victoria, it was great to have you on the show. Really appreciate you sharing your insights. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best story